Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? 
human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Good morning and welcome to One Sea. Would you please rise for our first song?
may be seated. Good morning to each and every one of you. Uh, glad that uh, we could be together here in worship celebrating a God who loves us. And uh, I don't think we can fathom the full extent of his love, but we get a glimpse of it. And it is glorious. I want to welcome again everyone, but especially our guests. We're glad you're with us in worship. Uh, we want you to come on back. Uh, we'd like to get to know you and a couple ways for you to do that. You could stop at Next Steps in the family gathering area. We have a gift for you there. Uh, you can text um, uh, 1C guest to 94,000. If you're on Facebook Live, you can put something in the comment section. Many different ways for you to let us know that you're here. And again, we'd like to get to know you. Uh, we have a couple different ways for you to get some information. In the chair backs in front of you, you will find a card. And on there, it'll talk about uh, how to submit a prayer. Um, if you're a guest, how to, how to do, uh, let us know. Also about communion, you'll find out there uh, what we believe as a church and also how to take communion. We also have a digital bulletin. And as, it, as you see up on the screen, there's a QR code. You just take your phone, your camera, take a picture of that. It'll take you to our bulletin, sermon notes, prayer requests, uh, activities of the church. I mean, a lot of things you'll find there, so I encourage you to... Uh, make your way there. If you want a hard copy of a lot of that information, we have some sheets on a table right outside the door. Uh, a couple activities coming up. August 21st, let me just double check. Yeah, there we is. August 21st. Uh, school is just around the corner, and we're going to have an opportunity to pray for our young people with what we call the backpack blessing. So if you're a young person or if you know somebody, uh, come on that weekend, and during the kids' message, you'll be invited to come forward. We'll be praying for you. Bring your backpackets if you like, and we're going to give you a gift for that as well. Uh, also, just to let you know that if you are a teacher, administrator, if you work in the school system in any capacity, uh, we're going to uh, invite you to stand. We want to pray for you, too, on the 21st, and pray God's blessing on uh, this next year. We're also going to have a gathering of items for teachers, and so uh, if you would be, you could look at that list and, and be involved and be a part of that. August 24th, Exploration Begins, and that is uh, really our main thrust as a congregation. We have classes for all ages. So, uh, if you would, please consider, uh, here as a church, we talk about the rhythm of a Christian is up which is worshiping and learning from him personally. There's in, which is people like you and me getting together around the word of God, learning and growing, and then we talk about out and that rhythm. So all three of those are really important for your sake and for the kingdom's sake. So please, if you're not plugged in somewhere in the study of God's word with other people, consider exploration. Come on Wednesday nights and be a part of that. And that very first night, we're going to be having dinner, uh, worship service, and then we'll have orientation for those classes. More information will be coming your way. Uh, last announcement has to do with the joy basket. Uh, one thing we truly believe here at 1C is every single person here has been blessed by God in some way or another. And God is a giver of every good and perfect gift. And what he likes is when we say thank you. And that, that could be so many different ways. We sang, that's one way to do it. We could pray, that's another way to do it. 
You can serve. You can use your gifts and abilities and talents and serve. You can also give up tithes and offerings. And so I'm going to take a moment now in prayer just to ask that God would get our attention, that he would remind us how blessed we are, and then that he would lead us in showing our thanksgiving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again. You're the creator, and you create in such beautiful ways. And you made all of us, and you have given us one blessing on top of another, uh, more than we can even count or imagine. And we ask now that your spirit would move uh, in, in this worship service, in our hearts, our lives, that we would show how thankful we are to you for all that you've done. So may our lives reflect the blessings you've given us as we live that out to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Boys and girls, it is time for the kids' message, so come on up, and hopefully you found some items in a box by the door on your way in, so bring those up with you if you have them. If not, you can grab, if you didn't get one, you can grab it after church, but come on up, find a seat up here. All right. So what all things did you guys find? What, what do you have? A pine cone? That's a pine cone. Acorn? That would be a big acorn. But I do like acorns. Yeah. You like that too? What else? What do you have? A cattail. Cool. What do you like about cattails? 
Yeah, they're all fuzzy on the inside. Those are so cool. What else? You got a cat? Yeah, you can kind of tear them apart. Yeah. Did you? Cool. You got a cattail too. More pine cones. I see a giant leaf. You got a giant leaf, don't you? That's cool. You know what? I picked a leaf too, and I thought it was really cool because it's dark green, but then on the back side you can see all those really dark red veins. Isn't it amazing? All the different kinds of leaves and acorns or pine cones, mulberries, nuts, birds, trees that we see when we go out in nature. I wanted to take you on a nature hike, but we didn't have time, so I just brought the stuff with us. But maybe later your family can go on a nature hike. But you know what? Psalm 8 tells us, it says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So I love being outside in God's creation because it makes me think of that. Just how amazing God is. That he is so big and powerful and creative that he can make leaves that look so different than each other. Or birds that have different songs and different colored feathers. And it is just amazing. Yeah. It would be cool if I had pretend birds in the box in there. You know what? We could have had real life bats in there today because we found bats when we came into church this morning. We went on a nature hike inside this morning. Isn't that exciting? But we got rid of those. They're not flying around. Don't worry. I'm not joking. There were bats. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But you know, if we continue to read Psalm 8, all right, I need your attention again. I know I kind of threw us off with the whole bats. But, so Psalm 8 starts out saying how amazing God is, right? Well, if we keep reading on, hey, hey guys, you know something else? God thinks that you are amazing. And he tells us in Psalm 8, it talks about God creating us. And it says, you made them a little lower than the angels, and you crown them. Hey, let's stop throwing stuff, okay? All right, listen up. You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Can you believe that? God made you, God made you a little bit lower than the angels. And he crowned us with glory and honor because he thinks that you are so special. And it says, you made them rule over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild. And the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and all that swim the paths of the seas. So if you think about everything that God created, the birds, the fish, the animals, the skies, the seas, everything in it, God made us in his image to rule over everything that he created. So that's pretty amazing, isn't it? That God thinks us that we're that special that we can rule over it for him. But we know that we didn't do a very good job, right? Adam and Eve sinned. Sin came into the world. But you know what? God still thinks we're so special and he loves us so much that Jesus came into the world and that he is making all things new. He is recreating everything new. And he took, he died on the cross to take the punishment for our sin so that we can be forgiven of our sin so that our relationship with God can be created new again. Our relationship with each other can be created new again. And you know what? We get to be a part of that too 
part of, of Jesus making things new when we point people to Jesus and we share his love with others. So if you go on a nature hike later with your family and talk about how amazing God's creation is, it can remind us how amazing God is. So there are more of these papers out there by the welcome desk. All right, take one of these with you. Talk with your family about how amazing God is. And if you go on a nature hike and pick up a bunch of leaves and stuff, you can take leaves, lay the piece of paper over it, take a pencil and rub over the leaf, and the leaf shows up on the paper. Isn't that cool? And then you can keep the paper on your table or put it on a refrigerator and talk about all week long how amazing God is because he's created so many different things and leaves. He created us, yeah, and how he created us and how he loves us so much. All right, but first let's pray. Yep, he created all the animals. I like it. All right, let's pray. We fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Creator God, thank you for loving us. And help us to point people to you as we share your love with them. Amen. All right, boys and girls, you can head on back to your seats, all right? Of the eyes. There 
What a beautiful reminder. There was Jesus, and there is Jesus. In fact, that's what we believe as a church when it comes to communion. He is right here for people like you and me. In our journey in life, in our struggles in life, he is with us at every turn. One of the things that we're encouraged to do in the Bible is in preparation for communion is to examine ourselves, which means to get honest with ourselves and with God and with each other that we sin and we need mercy and grace. And so uh, one of the ways in which we do it is we make this profession of faith, what we believe about, uh, yes, our sin and our struggle, but who Jesus is. So we're going to have this up on the screen. Would you join together with me as we profess what we believe? Together. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament. And under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. I resolve to dedicate my life to the service of my Lord in his body, the church, by regular group worship, cheerful giving, thankful living, and sharing the gospel with others. Amen. And let me just bring you back to that one truth that has changed the course of human history. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. All that Jesus did 2,000 years ago has changed the course of human history, and I pray that it has changed your history, your personal history. So may that truth inspire you today. Also, get your hearts and minds focused on this beautiful meal that God has given. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. And as we continue now with the distribution of communion, if you have those individual communion sets, feel free during the next song to receive those elements, believing that Jesus is truly present. And if you're going to come forward for continuous communion uh, during the next song as the Spirit moves you, uh, if you desire to have gluten-free or grape juice, please let the server know. May this be a time of remembrance and celebration as we know that these are the gifts of God for all of God's people. Amen.
Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for mission, for ministry, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Dear God, our creator and our counselor, we lift up these prayers to you. Please be with our nephew and we pray that he heals from his injury. Please give this family strength and patience as they go through some challenges. You are a great God, and we thank you for all our blessings. 
strength and peace for both Coco and Bobby as they continue to fight their battle with cancer. Be with them both through treatments as well as their families. Jesus, we thank and praise you that you have been with Nancy and Jim over this past year, watching over them, providing and caring for them. Continue to heal and strengthen Nancy as she learns the end of her chemo treatments and fill them with your peace. Prayers for my sister and her family who are working on extensive house projects to make their home safe, praying they are able to complete the work and able to bring their family home to live there together soon. Prayers for my son, he is lost. He needs your help and guidance to put him on the path that you want him to be on. God, you alone can help him find his way. Lord, every day that we have in this life is a gift straight from your hand. Help us to walk in the freedom of your spirit so we can shine your light and love in a world that so desperately needs to know the hope that only Christ can bring. We love you, Lord. We need you today and every day. We thank you that you hear our prayers and believe that you are at work even now, powerfully, faithfully, and miraculously, doing only what you can do. Thank you again for the most wonderful gift of our Savior. Thank you for your great goodness and love. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We embark on a, a new sermon series called Summer Psalms. If you remember last summer, we did that. So we're going to go for about seven weeks and have some different psalms. Today's Psalm 8, next week, so you can read in advance Psalm 19. So take a look at that. But I would like to draw your attention to the environmental walls, if you would, on the side. And um, you can kind of have a lot of fun when you Google and, and look for Psalm 8. And uh, somebody did that. And let's take a look at this. Would you read these words together with me? 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I had seen this this morning, and had seen just the, the kind of the scope of it, right, from individual pair of feet walking on a step to it backing up, backing up, and backing up to get the glimpse of this gigantic universe, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 8. I thought, very fitting. And yet the way we read it didn't really capture what I think the psalmist was feeling when he wrote it. I really think that he was more exclaiming this truth than just stating it. I don't think he was just saying, Oh Lord, my Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I think there was an emphatic tense to it. A passion, a perspective that was maybe changed and altered. So would you humor me, and let's do it one more time, maybe in light of how the psalmist would have said it if he were speaking these words out loud today. So today, let's do it again. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Yep, that's the way it was. Now, the book of Psalms, I don't know what you know about it. It's uh, 150 of them, a lot of them. But I remember as a kid, I went to a Lutheran grade school that was really cool, but I remember saying, hey, if you ever want to find the book of Psalms, what do you do? You take it, and you open up to the middle of it, and there it is. That's the way to find the book of Psalms. I think there is a genius to this idea from God's perspective. The book of Psalms isn't accidentally put into the middle of this thing that we call a Bible. I think it's the genius of God trying to teach people like you and me a very important concept that maybe will change your life when, when you kind of grab hold of this. Just like, well, this book, I mean, I think the book of Psalms is like a hymn book, a hymn of praise. In fact, there's really five books in the 150, they're all divided up into five different sections. Um, in fact, even the last portion, of the last about 10 of them, are, are Psalms of Ascent. And they would use those back in, um, back in the time when they were making their way to Jerusalem for one of the main festivals, they would read those last Psalms. And they were called Psalms of Ascent. Do you know why? Jerusalem was up on a hill. So as they're coming from the outlying towns, they're literally walking up towards Jerusalem, towards the temple, towards the place where God was known to be. And it was a hymn. It was a hymn of praise. So I believe not just the last 10, but all 150 teaches the heart of worship. Now, you've heard me say that I believe the Psalms are about human condition and God's solution. When we hear the solution of God to our human condition, there is nothing less than us for us to praise him. When we realize what he has done for us, when our human condition is so bad and so tough, there is a God's solution that can cause us to praise him with those words. Let's do it again. And just so you know, we're going to do it several times. 
Uh, we're going to memorize this verse so that when you're, you go out beyond here, you can actually say it without reading it. So let's read this out loud, not just reading it, but exclaiming it like it's something really important. Ready? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What a truth. What a life-changing tr truth. Now let's think about creation, because Psalm 8 kind of gets into it. And you can think about lots of different things that is part of God's creation. Um, let me think here. I have a flower, a drop of water, a bat, a snowflake, a bumblebee, or small parts of the human body. Like right now, I, I am uh, dealing with vertigo. And it's amazing how we're made. And like on the inner ear, I had somebody come out after the first service say, well, do you want to know the scientific names for those? I said, no. Um, it's just a bunch of little hairs in my, my, somewhere in my ear. And there's some crystals going on it. And it makes me kind of go like this once in a while. Um, wonderfully made. Just the majesty of all of that. But I want to show you a picture of something that I think is a little scary. A snowflake. You're saying, well, wait a minute. Now, when you see these things coming down from the sky and they look like one white little spot, you got to know, the first word that comes to mind for me when I see a snowflake is yuck. I don't like snow. I don't like the cold. I don't like going out in it. I don't like sledding in it. I don't really like anything about snow other than when it melts and goes away. That's pretty cool. Now, if I am on the inside and I'm looking at it, that's okay. That's cool. But if I have to touch it, experience it, it's like yuck. But did you understand the complexity of a snowflake? Our eyes, when they see it coming down, it looks just, they all look the same. But no two snowflakes are the same. Amazing. So what do we do when we start to understand the complexity of a God who is so powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth and yet so micro that he could make a snowflake different than any other snowflake that he's ever made? What could be the response to that? Together, out loud, with an emphatic tense, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. All right, the psalmist looks at God's creation. He was deeply amazed at the wonder and the beauty and the intricacy of God's creation. And he praised God as a king of glory. One of the things that I'm learning throughout my 60 years on earth is that science is kind of changing. I mean, there's more things we learn all the time. A couple hundred years ago, the idea, the astronomers would say that there was about 6,000 stars out in the sky. We have come to learn that that is not the number. In fact, when we take a look at what it's like, our Milky Way has about 100 billion stars. And now as science continues to kind of move and learn and we get be better telescopes and all this stuff, we're even questioning that number. It's kind of changing. Or how about the number of galaxies? So it's not just our galaxy. 
there is an estimate, and it's an estimate, only an estimate, that there are two trillion galaxies. Not just the one that we experience. There's a lot out there. And so when they, you start trying to do the calculation for how many stars are in all of those galaxies, I mean, you can get a number like this. 200 or whatever. It's a sextillion number, I guess. There's a lot. A lot. That means there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on all the beaches on the earth. And if you've ever taken just a handful of sand and you look at how many little granules there are of sand, you're in awe of that, right? Just picture that. There's more stars than sand on the earth. What is our response when we start seeing the depth and the breadth of creation of God? Humor me. Come on. Yep. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So what do the, the discoveries of the stars teach us? It tells us that there is a creator God who is far mightier than we can ever imagine him to be. If I ask you, describe to me who is God, and before you're done with your sentence, I'm going to say to you, that's not enough. So no matter what kind of words you use to describe this God, he is bigger than that in what you say. And I think that is the challenge we always have, is the finite beings trying to understand the infinite. Now, what's finite? I try to explain it when I would like teach confirmation. I, I say, here's finite. We're standing in some kind of field, and there is nothing in, in the way for you to see. Your eyes can just keep looking. Even if you have perfect vision, your eyes will only take you so far, and then it starts to diminish, and then it stops. That's finite. Our brains are like that. Our bodies are like that. But God is not like that. He is infinite. He is indescribable, uncontainable. Indescribably glorious, completely off the charts of our human understanding. And his power, way beyond our comprehension. When we realize the beauty, the vastness of God's creation, we begin to recognize the glorious presence of God among his creation. What happens next after we recognize God's greatness in nature? When we get a glimpse of it, when we slow down, when we pause and we take a look, what happens? The psalmist tells us, David, the writer of this psalm, and uh, the other, say, 72 other ones, he says these words in verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the, moons and the moon and the stars which you have set into place. You see, when you look at that, he talks about out of the mouth of babies. I think David is getting something that is I think it's beautiful. It's kind of innocent. Have you ever seen a child when they take something in 
and they notice something, and they're kind of, it's like, they're just, they just can't. I mean, they're in awe and wonder. I mean, here's a picture of what it could look like. Just taking it in, a sense of awe. Now, let me bring you back. I don't know if it's 25 years ago or not, but um, the Thielen family decided to go from Wisconsin to Florida, and we were going to drive in a van. And I don't even know how, how many kids did we have at the time. We had six of our kids driving all those miles. Kristen was like, this is like crazy. Are you right in the mind? Uh, but we did, and it was a glorious thing, she would say. It was a right decision. Uh, so we get to, to uh, Florida, and we're, we're experiencing creation. It's beauty, beautiful. And then we're going to go to Disney World for a day. And um, my son Tim was two, maybe? Three. She sets me straight, always. Um, and we, we told him, we're going we're gonna to see Mickey Mouse. He was so excited. Oh, my goodness. He was like, this is, this is like everything. So you get this little schedule of the day where Mickey's going to be. And they'll, like, at 9.45, we'll be at some cafe, right? So, you know, we get all the kids, and we make our way, and we get there. We get there. We're all ready to see Mickey. And guess who doesn't show up? Mickey. But don't worry, Tim. At 11 o'clock, Mickey's going to be over here. So we'll, we'll get to Mickey. So we go there, and we show up. Guess who doesn't show up? Mickey. 1 o'clock, Mickey's going to be somewhere. So all through the day, we're trying to see Mickey Mouse in Disney World. You'd think you'd see him all over the place, but we weren't seeing him. The day is now done. We are tired as can be. We are ready for it to be over and to go back to uh, wherever we were staying. And um, I think we're all just sitting on a park bench. And Tim was in a stroller. And it's time for the light parade thing. And we're just like, guess who was in the parade? Mickey. Tim sees him first. And I'm going to do my impersonation of what Tim looked like when he got to see Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and I don't even know what kind of sounds were coming out, but it was really something else. The awe and wonder that he had in seeing Mickey. I think that's what God wants us from us as we experience who he is and how he loves. To have a sense of awe and wonder. Psalm 19 kind of takes this theme and carries it on. The heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The hev uh, day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. I mean, the heavens declare the glory of God. Everything that he makes is who he is. And he wants people like you and me to take it in, to notice it, to take it in and respond. Now, you've heard me say this before. It's a little Jim Thielen quote. What we think about God will dramatically affect how we view life and how we live life. But I want to change it a little bit for today's purpose. I do believe that what we think about God will dramatically affect how and when we worship. Let me say it one more time. 
what we think about God will dramatically affect how we worship, when we worship, where we worship. If our glimpse of God is only during what I like to call the sacred 60, you know, where you, on a Sunday morning, 9 or 11, you come and you, you hope it's going to be 60 minutes, and I think it's going to be more like 65 minutes, just so you know. And if we think that's when we worship, I don't think we have a big enough view of God. Because I believe that God wants us to worship him at our homes, at our workplaces, at our schools, in our community, wherever we are. As we get a glimpse of who God is and what he has done, that he's big enough to make the heavens and the earth, and he's personal enough to know the inside and the outside of us. We would have a sense of wonder like a child. And we would worship like never before. In fact, maybe, just maybe, we would exclaim, not just with words, but with our lives, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Maybe that's what will start happening. Maybe that's what will start happening. Now, that's what God's desire is, but there is something that gets in the way of us worshiping like he wants us to worship. It is a one-word answer, three letters. Anybody want to guess? Sin, yeah. Sin gets in the way. But I'm going to say specifically, I really believe that one of the greatest sins, there we go, of humanity is taking God for granted. In other words, not noticing his creation, not no noticing the works of his hands, not knowing, noticing his presence, his power, his love, his grace, his mercy that just keeps pouring out, and we just take it for granted. When, when was the first time that humanity took God for granted? Anybody want to guess? Adam and, Eve. Adam and Eve, exactly. It didn't last long. God makes Adam and Eve, places him in the garden. They have all of this to enjoy and to worship and celebrate. And yet, all of a sudden, the temptation to eat from the tree that God said not to eat from. And ever since then, humanity has been missing the mark. And I sometimes look at that time period of 40 years where the children of Israel had just been set free from Egypt, from slavery, from Pharaoh. They're now, they have this promised land. And they're going to go to it. I mean, it's a glorious thing. But they just kept taking God for granted. Missing and not looking at his presence and power and his love. Complaining time and time again about the manna, about the journey. And I think what often happens as a result of that is, is something that I'm noticing. Um... The phrase religious versus spiritual, I don't know what you think about that. But one of the things that I get to do in pre-marriage counseling is I get to sit with, down with couples and we get to talk about A to Z, really great stuff. Near the end, we get into this topic called spiritual beliefs. And I'm finding from this next generation, they're looking at the church and they're looking at people like me and say, you know what, it's just about religion. It's about a r rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. I'm not connecting with that. 
And honestly, I do take a step back and, and, and I say, am I being just like a Pharisee at times? Is it all about doing the right thing, behaving just the right way? I think we've got to learn something here. You see, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. And that's where it becomes spiritual. I mean, if we start looking at this thing, this God, as a bunch of do's and don'ts about a God who's trying to catch you doing things that are bad or good, I mean, versus a God that says, I want to I walk with you. I want you to walk with me. I want this relationship. I'm going to bless you and give you all these things. And I truly believe that when we shift gears and we, we learn that it's about a relationship, we're going to start saying much more, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And I think once we start getting spiritual, we're going to understand something that Neil Armstrong understood. I got a quote from him. He says, I remember on a trip home on Apollo 11, it suddenly struck me that that tiny pea, pretty and blue, was the earth. Sorry. I put my thumb up and shut one eye, and my thumb blotted out the planet Earth. I didn't feel like a giant. If you advance it, please. I felt very, very small. And it, that is the truth, right? We are small because of our sin, but we are loved because of God. That's where, again, the psalmist picks up. He goes like this. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? You know, there's not much in us that has value. There's really no value in us by ourselves. You are mindful of them, human beings, that you care for them. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet. All the flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the, in the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. I mean, just all of this. Here's a God of the universe who could just look past us and say, you know what, you're, you're sinners, I don't, I, don't, I don't care about you anymore. But that's not how it works. Rather, we are the object of his love. We are the focus of his love. He has made all of these things because he loves us. Our young people, a couple of weeks ago, went to the youth gathering, and the theme was from Colossians. And I'm going to just share with you a, just a couple portions of the, the verse that was uh, something that they looked at. And would you help me um, as we look at these? Just You'll know what I mean. So example, Paul says this, For by him all things were created. So when we look at God who is the creator, what is a possible exclamation that we can have when we think about God creating, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Or how about this part of it? He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above all reproach before him. So, because of Jesus, we are forgiven. Because of Jesus, we have this great life. Our response to this news could be, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then in the end, 
If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, our response can be, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's stand, let's sing. Yeah.